Hey everyone, Justin here with Whitetail Theories Podcast. On the mic today, we have Gabe Denzi. He is the brand manager for River's Edge Tree Stands. What's going on, Gabe? Oh, you know, just having a fun night. The phone died, my iPhone died, and I lost everything. So I'm sitting here. This is literally the first phone call I've had in four days. Man, I know we were talking about that. And just so y'all know, I'd throw this in there. Gabe's also a uh, with service side here, he produced some pretty solid content last year that we got to use to educate and inspire the team. Um, awesome Triton buck and, and uh, big Minnesota buck also. Um, but man, what happened with the phone? You were you were out on a hunt link or something? Uh, no, actually, I just was was out late Saturday night and I let my phone run dry. Uh, as far as the battery died, and I went to charge it, and I woke up the next morning, and it just was stuck on the Apple logo and couldn't reboot. <laughs> oh, so man. I took it in. I took it into the local uh, phone repair guys, and he after he got the diagnosis and replaced the battery, he told me he said, "Yeah, your battery was all puffed up, like it very well could have exploded." So, oh, man, that's rough, dude. And you you just got back from a hunting trip, didn't you? Yeah, I went out to uh, Nebraska and actually hung out with another service side member or two of them. Colin Kitt and Tim Nickerson. Oh, nice. So that would be my my second year out here, and we had a blast. Other than it was hotter than hell. So. Yeah, it's hot, man. I mean, I know you guys didn't get to seal the deal on this one, did you? No, in fact, I have footage. I shot a buck. I shot a really nice velvet buck, and uh, he was at fifty three yards, and my pin was at sixty, and I just I had a mental block. Like I definitely should have just dropped it down and. I had my windage was perfect. I just hit him high through the top left shoulder and it passed through the neck. And we watched it frame by frame and tracked it for 400 yards and lost blood. And then the uh, other guys I was with that hunted the, that same evening and then the next day and they just they couldn't get back on that deer. Ah oh, man, that's rough, dude. That's a that's a hard one. I won't uh, I won't name drop, but I just got off the phone today with a buddy, real good buddy that comes down and does hunt links with me here in Florida. Um, and he just got back from a ten day backcountry elk trip, and he has a very similar story. Uh, pretty heartbreaking. I was like, go home, shower, man, get you some sleep, and you know you'll hit it again next time. But it's it's definitely. I tell you what, though, man, that it going on those trips though, you just whether you you know obviously you know being successful is is amazing but those trips are just out of this world man especially when you get with some people that you like and that camaraderie and you know just really going hard to hunt i know you're very similar to me and i know colin is too where you know you hunt hard you don't really just go to vacation like it's almost like a job when you get there yeah and i definitely wouldn't choose southern southwest nebraska as a vacation spot but it was so different from last year my last year's hunt we got out there and it was highs of 70s and 80s which was still kind of warm for me because i never hunted that early but they had crop fields that that had grown really good over the summer and this year was different they had not had rain since june in fact when we got there i brought the rain with us we had storms and it kind of flooded out for the first night but the coolest day we had was 94 and the warmest day i had was 104 wow man that's that's florida weather there yeah well i mean it was dry heat and the worst thing is i have a black f-150 with black leather seats and it's not it doesn't have air conditioning oh man that's rough dude so yeah for we got there two days before season hunted for four and a half almost five days and it was a very long trip plus we were camping so well did you have a good time at least yeah we did some it was half work trip and half fun trip, so I only used like two days of PTO and then 
some of the other part of the trip, we actually hung out with uh, some of the people that we sponsor for Rivers Edge Tree Stands and Baronet Blinds. So we had a TV show out there that I hunted with, and then we did some content shoots for some new unreleased products. Nice. Awesome, man. So it was it was really cool to get out there and get some different scenery other than popples and pine trees up here in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's always nice, especially when you get to throw a little hunt into it. So, Gabe... For we, I didn't bring this up in the beginning, but the reason we got you on here was we had both been talking and we wanted to do an episode on getting into the hunting industry, misconceptions of the hunting industry, etc. Um, so I'll let you go ahead and segue us into it. Uh, I know you had a, a few directions where you wanted to start, so I guess we could start in the beginning of, of how did you get into the hunting industry and then we could kind of just go from there if you want. Sure, let's dive into it. I'm uh, 23 years old, and I now work professionally in the hunting industry, managing one brands and soon to be two brands. And I grew up through high school wanting to film my hunts and kind of put stuff on YouTube. I mean, that was when stuff was getting heated up on that side of things. And I actually chose my college degree, just a two years associates, in digital marketing, strictly because they had one class that taught me how to film and edit videos. Now, I didn't learn a whole lot from that class other than just how to basically uh, trim clips and put them together. Everything I do, and if you guys can see my work, you can check it out on my Instagram, Gabe Denzine or Beagle Boy Outdoors. And you can see, obviously, things have progressed quite a bit. And all of that is just from watching YouTube videos of guys in the industry or plugging and playing over the last couple of years. Originally, my goal was to be like, uh, you know, there's a million guys out here that film their hunts, have an Instagram, YouTube channel, you know, some outdoors channel, and they want to get sponsored and paid to hunt. And that was my goal for the longest time. And I took a job in Missouri doing firearm sales and marketing down there, thinking that it would help me get into the industry. Granted, firearms is probably, if you, if you have a very far left and a far right, I would say, Hunting is kind of in the middle, firearms are far right, and then you have your fishing or whatever else, hiking on the left. So I chose just whatever footstep I could get in the door. That's why I moved down to Missouri. I was a marketing manager down there, and I got to meet some cool influencers in the industry. Um, I would help sponsor guys and stuff like that. Like I got to meet guys like Gun Drummer. Um, I worked with the Yakleys out of Wisconsin. They were professional three-gun shooters. So a lot of people in the industry that... You know, you sit at home while you're young and you look at these people and you're like, oh, I want to be like them. And then I got that job and I actually got to talk and work with them daily, you know, on a one-on-one basis. So that was cool. And that's and kind then, of, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's good. I was going to say that's uh, that's kind of how you, I mean, we, you, everyone's going to hear us say this multiple times, but that you can already hear if you were to take what, he, what Gabe said. Uh, how he started out and it literally goes around networking just meeting people getting to know someone you know it didn't it doesn't sound like obviously you had your you know your skill of of advertising and marketing and things like that but you know i noticed you didn't mention like well you know i was really good hunter no i mean i didn't at at that time i guess i wouldn't say i was a good hunter i mean everybody everybody thinks they're a good hunter and me i'm just i guess I'm, i'm staying humble about it i like to hunt just like the the other guy i'm pretty diehard about it meaning like i'll go out of my way to try and be successful but that's that is absolutely not what got me in the position that i'm in now it didn't matter i mean i could i could maybe i I guess i can't say if i'd never hunted before i definitely wouldn't be in this position 
But even having the slightest knowledge, I think you can still work your way into the industry. Nice. So kind of how'd you evolve from there? So last December, actually, um, I just, for some reason, I still have like my LinkedIn stuff set up and I always get notifications about job posting. And I saw one pop up that was like, oh, do you want to work in the hunting industry? And I'm like, shoot, well, I work in the firearms. It's kind of the other side of the outdoor industry. So let's see where it is. And I dove into the company. I'm like, okay, Rivers Edge Tree Stands. I know who they are. But I didn't realize they were only an hour away from where I grew up in Wisconsin. So I applied. And after some interviews and stuff, I ended up moving back home. And my first week, actually, uh, my second day of work, I was at ATA show straight into the fire as soon as i got there i met i met some people and they're like all right gabe you're going to louisville kentucky so we drove down and i started literally that was my first networking event i think oh nice how'd you do did you hit the ground running <laughs> i mean i think so it was kind of nerve-wracking <laughs> but you know and, and i look at it this way like a bunch of people um that idolize hunters like guys like ted ted nugent you know seek one guys crispy um there's so many people in the industry. Roger Raglan is one of my favorites and you get to a show and there's a part of you that's kind of like, you know, fanboying Cause you see these people walking around you're like, Holy crap, you know, Roger Raglan or whatever it is. And I had that for about the first, I don't know, four hours. And then I realized like, Hey, it's my job. I have meetings with these people that were pre-scheduled. So like I had to quick, you know, wipe off fanboy, like, okay, this is business and start talking to these people. Cause they want to work with your brand. And that, that was huge. And I guess the, the whole point of this podcast is going to end up being using networking and, you know, how networking can get you involved in the industry because that's really what it is. So let's, I guess I'll move past ATA show. I met a bunch of cool people in the industry, a lot of people in the industry, and we had conversations and I get back to work and kind of figure out my job roles. Okay, I'm a brand manager for a tree stand company. What am I doing? Well, a big portion of my job is managing and curating influencers for this brand so i literally went from four years ago wanting to be an influencer and a guy that posts on social media which i still do i have my youtube channel and i post my work whatever um and now all of a sudden i'm the guy that hands out these sponsorships like just it took full circle turn so working with that it was just super cool because ata show what I didn't realize, and actually a good piece of information, if you're a guy or you're a group of guys, you have your outdoor YouTube channel and, you know, you're looking for a sponsorship or you're like, hey, I want to hunt for a living, whatever it is. Most of these guys that show up at ATA show, there is a bunch of, I don't want to say no namers, but, you know, guys that are just starting out that walk around that show and they network. I mean, they're they're getting out there, they're talking to people, and that's literally what you have to do. I probably talked to 50 different groups of guys that would walk up and they'd have what I call a media kit. So they have a printed out piece of paper that says, Hey, for, if you pay me this amount of money, I will do this, this, and this for you. And I didn't realize that was how the hunting industry worked. I was under the assumption for the longest time that if you want to be in the hunting industry, you have to be an apex killer. You have to have awesome videos, yada, yada, yada. That's not entirely true. Now, if you have 100,000 followers on all your socials, yeah, that helps. You're probably going to get reached out to faster and sooner. But the majority of these guys that only have 500 followers, 2,000 followers, even, you know, five to 10,000 followers, they go to these shows and reach out in person and they say, hey, 
for this amount of money, I will do this, this, and this for you. Are you interested? And then that sparks that network, that sparks that conversation. We'll, you know, revisit later. Now, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, this is a question that I, I hear a lot. I'm going to throw it out there and it, I, this could probably take up the, a whole episode, but just give us what you can. Um, I hear it all the time. How do I get sponsored? So people always say, you know, especially once they get um, into service side and we start talking to them and they're like, hey, we, we explain to them what our field staff program is. You know, it's a membership type program that offers perks and opportunities. But at the end of the day, our mission is uniting hunters. We're trying to put hunters into a, in a, into a group or a club or a family. Um, and we're trying to hook them up for that, you know, partner discounts, hunt links, things yep. like that, events, uh, giveaways. But the main thing is we're trying to bring everyone together so that everyone can meet, network, and connect. Um, so it's a platform for all that. But I do hear that a lot about the sponsorship. We don't do anything with that just because of the type of product that we are, I guess you could say. Um, but what would you? What do you usually tell someone when they ask you, how do I get sponsored? Well, honestly, I might retract a little bit of what I said. I personally hate the word sponsorship. And there's a lot of people that have the same position in the industry just for different companies that also hate that word. Just because sponsorship sounds just like you're getting paid to hunt and that's it's, yeah it's not the case <laughs> right and I'm, I'm not trying to crush anybody's feelings but i do not know a single soul in this industry that just gets paid to hunt it does not exist yeah so you watch guys like um gosh i really don't want to name names but some of the some of the bigger youtubers that you'll see guys with a hundred thousand to four hundred thousand right right most most guys you know, if you're just some average guy off the street trying to make it big, they don't get paid to hunt. There's a lot of behind the things, behind the scene things that happen in this industry that nobody knows about until you work in it. Exactly. Subtly explained to me, like I came into this industry, like, you know, oh, maybe I'll meet a bunch of people and I'll get sponsorships. And now that I'm the guy that hands out I guess I will call them partnerships is the word I like to use. That's a, that's a solid word. That's how we look at them too, because it's, you, you get a little bit, they get a little bit, but you know, we feel that way with the word field staff, but we can't rebrand a word. If you were to rebrand a word, you're going to spend so much, waste so much money really just to change a word. Um, that's how we feel. And, and try and shift public opinion. And it's just so hard. To it, do it is. And you're sitting there like a lot of people, I've, I hear it all the time, man. I've heard, uh, well, wait a minute, your membership program, you can't call yourself field staff program. Well, where is the, where is the 10 commandments on that one? Like, where was that inscribed in there? Like exactly what <laughs> a field staff person is like, what you get that stigma too, um, of, well, field staff is, which it's crazy. I'm going to go into this just because it's White Tail Theories podcast. But what's crazy is, man, someone will be real quick to say, well, I was a pro staff with this company, XYZ company, and they used to give me free stuff. And I'm like, well, you sold their product. And so it was a balance. You sold their product. So they were able to give you product to test or whatever the case may be. It could be to test. Mm -hmm. It could be to sell, whatever. But I'm like, both party, you're getting something. They're getting something. If you don't do nothing and they don't do nothing, no one's going to win. It's going to be stagnant. And I tell people all the time, like, so that's what that was. We're not selling a product. We don't need someone to go get 10 service side members to come in. Like, we're not looking to do that. We just grow. Yeah, it's not recruitment. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a recruitment type thing. So I tell people all the time that I'm like, well, you know, the, the, 
you can't compare the two, but you hear my point is you hear the word field staff and that's the same thing with sponsorship. You hear the word sponsorship like, whoa, wait, I, somebody tells me all the time. <laughs> I, uh, I talk to about, gosh, probably 50 people an hour and I've had a few people and I'm not like a fun of no one, but it is funny. Like people be like, I wish I could do what you do. And I'm like, well, I hope you know that I'm not in a tree stand right now. Uh, as much as I'd love yeah. to be. Um, I'm actually behind a computer for about 10 to 12 hours a day. Uh, and even in my free time, we're editing, you know how it is, man. You're editing. Yeah, and we're having creating. a podcast at 7.30. <laughs> we're doing a podcast at 7.30 on a Monday. So you know how it is, but that, that misconception with words. So it's nice that you, you decided to come on here and help break that too. A lot yeah, of people. And that's, and you, you said it perfect too. A sponsorship would literally be. I just like you are so idolized that I'm going to pay you to not do anything other than just represent me. But even still, they're doing something in return. Right. I don't I don't I don't give any of those out in this industry. That's not it's always okay. If you want something from me, what value do you have or does your group have that I can have in return? And that's where I kind of break down. I have what I would call three different positions in the outdoor industry. You have your influencers, which are guys with decent size or big YouTube channels, TV shows, or people that are just very well known on social. You have people that work for a company in the industry, which is what I will call myself. So basically, you're not known in the industry to the people that watch celebrities, but the celebrities in the industry know you, if that makes sense. And then there's a third which I will call professional content creators or production companies. And those are huge in the industry that I didn't know about until I started working here. Hmm. Yeah, actually, I've never heard of that either. I, I knew the influencer part and then obviously, you know, the company, but um, I've been in the, in the hunting industry for pro- about uh, going on two years now, um, left my last career to do it. And it's funny when you mentioned that going back to where you said you didn't know what was in it and what's involved until you're in it. Dude, you looking back, I mean, we I, we both had the misconception too of working in the hunting industry. And don't get me wrong. I love what I do. I wake oh, up every amazing. day and absolutely would never change it for the world. I don't care if I work a 14-hour day. I love it. But I'm definitely not hunting the whole time. I'm not getting paid to hunt like everyone thinks. No, and I guess that's where I'll kind of dive into those three different things. I mean, I'll start with influencers because most guys that are going to listen to this and most guys that I know in the, I guess, that want to be in the industry, 75 to 80% of them want to be celebrity influencers. And the reality of that sucks, man. I mean, it's it's very slim yeah. for you to become, you know, the 1% of the 1%. And that's that's just how the world works. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's just very hard to do if you're solely doing it off videos and popularity. The way to boost that if you're going to be an influencer is guys that are kind of dual weapons. So I work with influencers that, you know, I... I get them product and some of them get checks and they may only have a thousand subscribers or a thousand followers, but they may take some badass photos and they might strictly be like, Hey, if you need some reels or some shorts made, I am more than willing to, if you send me product, I'll get you a Dropbox full of creatives and content and send it over for you guys to use on your own. You may never see those videos, pictures, or, or shorts on their channels, on their socials, 
but they gave me a Dropbox full of stuff that I can use for my own brand. And that happens with every company in the industry. That would be my, my advice for guys that are struggling. Like, Hey, I'm stuck at 600 subscribers or, you know, I want to be a celebrity. Reality is harsh. It's hard to get there, but this is a very good way to at least network with brands is provide them value. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you can't provide some guys come up to me and say, Hey, I, I got, you know, I get a million views a year. If you can't provide that, don't cut yourself out. You have to go back to the drawing board and say, what can I provide? Well, maybe I can do custom tailored content for that, you know, and, and post some of it, you know, kind of, I know, I know some guys that are small, but they work with brands and some guys are like, how the hell does that guy have a sponsorship or a partnership with so-and-so? Well, it's the simple fact that behind the scenes, this guy is busting ass to get them a bunch of deliverables each quarter, each month, each year, mm. whatever it is. So it's a give some, take some. I definitely shout guys out that don't have hardly any followers just because they get me content. And that's what every brand needs. Dude, you couldn't have said that any better. I've probably said that in my head a million times. And I, and I love that you, you brought that last part up because... It, we do the same thing. I don't care if someone's got one Facebook follower and they literally made it yesterday. If they're literally putting in the work, we are always, because we're all about building, you know, lifting hunters up, building hunters up. So if they're putting in the work, it's so much easier. And I've heard it. I hear it all the time, man. I mean, like I said, I talk to about 50 people an hour um, and I literally, man, will will have these quick conversations and in those quick conversations that you have with people, you learn within the first couple sentences like what they want out of it um, mm -hmm. or at least where you can go with the conversation. But with some of them that are just like, I'm so-and-so, you should worship me. And then when you do check it out, you can see that the work's not really put in there. Like, yeah, they put some work in there. We know editing takes time and it really mm -hmm. any type of self-filming or anything like that is, is work. But you can tell the person that's been grinding um, you know, all night they were editing and all night they were doing something or, you know, like we have one of our partners, for example, um, you know, we told him no probably about four or five times and he's one of our partners now and I'll be honest with you, I can't pick and choose, but he's up there with one of my favorites with how he treats the team and how he um, conducts his company and how he's always, you know, he, he does a balance of revenue and conservation work. Um, you mm -hmm. know, he tries to educate, he tries to grow, he tries to help. Um, he's try he's willing to take people hunting so that they can learn. So with all that being said, we shout him out all the time, you know, more than a, a, a super, super big name company that maybe don't need it as much. But the fact is like this guy's never stopped grinding. You know, he'll call me at 10, 1030 at night to get my view on something. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, it's 1030 going you know, hitting the hay. We'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow because, you know, you want to try <laughs> yep. to have that balance. But uh, definitely, man, I love the grind. And those are the people that. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people before, man, that were, they send you a video and they're like, cause we pay for video content. So someone will send us mm -hmm. a video and say, Hey, uh, pay me $500 for this. Cause that's our, you know, we'll pay up to $500 for a video. And, um, and I'll be like, well, let me take a look. And we, we take a look and we grade it and you, you know how it is. We'll, we'll send yep. the grade and what we think and all that stuff. Um, and the thing is, it's not saying your video is crap or your video is the best or any of that stuff. It's showing what we're using for what we want to do, which is educate and inspire because we're not 
taking that video to generate revenue. We don't make revenue off of people's content by contrary belief, which that could be a whole rabbit hole there. We don't make money on content, um, especially since we don't monetize it. Um, but my point is the person that is really grinding, that's the person that I always, when they're like, hey, I want to be that influencer or that that famous face. And I can tell right off the bat, I'm like, you know what, man, If you, can, I've told many people uh, in the club, we have a guy that just created his own camo. I tell him all the time, I'm like, dude, the way you grind, I'd be real surprised if you don't make it. Like that's, if you don't make it, I was like, I'll be really surprised if you keep up this pace because you are doing everything right. And you may not, but at this rate, you have a lot more success than someone that's just out there copying and pasting something and then sending it to all the companies or, or going about it that way, you know? Yeah. And you get, you got to work at it. And I, I, I'll give you credit. I like giving smaller groups like me. I got 1,500 subscribers on YouTube. I'm a very small channel, but I like giving guys like me. I love throwing them bones in the industry. Why? Because they're willing to work the hardest for it because they have the most to prove. It's kind of like having a rookie making his NFL debut yeah. in preseason, and they're busting ass trying to look as best as they can because they know if they show up, they're going to get signed. Versus I talk to... And I will not name names because they are huge in the industry. Guys with just sub of a million, a million followers, guys that have multiple TV channels that come to me and say, hey, we want to represent your brand. Will you pay us $100,000 a year to do so? And I just being in this position, I have the ability to say yes or no. And I basically say no or yes based on the way someone approaches me. If they start out the conversation saying, hey, I'm big, give me money, it's an instant no. And then these guys are shocked, like, hey, I'm so-and-so. How can you say no? I'm like, well, dude, you're a freaking tool. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be about that at all because I ain't selling out for no one. I was literally, when I started working here, I was like, I'm going to be who I am. I'm a real everyday hunter. I, I do just like anyone else, and I am not selling out for any company, any person, any amount of money any of that stuff and, and service sides that way we don't everyone's equal man i don't care if you got a million followers or you've got two followers you everyone has the membership fee we're all equals everyone gets the same thing like it's a community you know it's not a it's not a hierarchy and i guess oh man i have so much stuff i'd love to talk about like i guess a couple things i want to talk well about we're only fun. 30 minutes into it so we're good brother you hit it oh, perfect well, I guess I'll just so people are listening so they know what's coming up. I do want to talk about the reality of being monetized on YouTube. I want to talk about what it takes to have your own TV show if you're ever interested in that. And then um, other ways around the industry where you can get involved and get your foot in the doorstep. Because that's really what, you know, that's why I'm here. And if we have a podcast five years from now, I'm sure there will be you know, a different story on where I'm at in the industry, whether it's with the same company and I love the company I work for, or, you know, maybe something happens and whatever, you know, but I guess I would like to start with some misconceptions too, where a lot of guys, and I know I have a bunch of buddies that are local here around me that have their YouTube channels and they're 600 to 800 subscribers. If you don't know, to get you uh, monetized on YouTube, you need at least 1000 subscribers and 4,000 total watch hours in a 365-day period. Most guys think, when they start out, that getting monetized on YouTube is everything. But the harsh reality of it is, even if you get monetized and you expect to make bukus of bucks, it's not going to happen. 
you're going to post a video that gets 10,000 views and wonder why you only got paid four or five dollars. So I'm not, not crushing dreams, but a lot of people think that monetization on YouTube is, you know, that make or break for, hey, you know, we made it in the industry or, you know, we're celebrities now. Trust me, it will not pay your bills. But what will pay your bills is when you start talking to guys in the industry that hold the position that I do, guys that actually hand out the fun tickets. In order to get a fun ticket, we kind of already went over, you have to offer me value. So I have guys that get a partnership with a certain amount of value and a certain amount of product cap based on their followers does help. You know, if a guy's got 40,000 versus 20,000, there's obviously a little bit more coming in there, but I still expect more, whether it's content tailored, whether it's direct exposure, where you watch some of these TV shows and you always see they have their brand sponsorships or partnership logos across the screen. If you pay attention, you'll notice that when people are shooting B-roll, it might be in there subtly or you might see it forced in there, but they are showcasing products no matter what, whether it's an attractant, a food plot mix, uh, a bow, camo, a tree stand, whatever it is, you will always notice they're showcasing those products because in the contracts that we sign, that is required. So when you get in this industry and say, okay, you got monetized, you got subscribers, now you have some ammo to start going after companies and brands. Your approach with that, if you want to start making some money, um, you start going to these companies and say, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so, I have this amount of followers or whatever. If it's not much, you got to provide value. So that is, I'm willing to maybe give you guys 100 pictures each quarter, professionally edited images or just product images that are specific to whatever you want. So when I hand out stuff like that to people, I'll say, hey, I'm planning on doing these email campaigns, these social posts over the next couple months. What can you get me so I don't have to take time out of my day and go shoot it out of house or in-house? So I use, in fact, if you watch a bunch of stuff that we post at River's Edge, majority of that is not taken by me. Those are taken by my influencers and my creators that I pay. Okay. So that's another, I guess, little secret that, you know, most people don't know. They figure that companies go out and, you know, and some big companies do have their own photographers and videographers that go out and take their own photos. But 99% of that stuff is generated from outside of the company. Now, and that's, I mean, that's, well, ours is, I wouldn't say ours is as similar as that, but I mean, our content comes from our team members. It doesn't specifically come from us. We, we have done it before, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not the filming guy. I'm just the, uh, you know, save up some money and go to another state guy, um, on a whim, yep. a DIY yep. guy. Uh, don't get me wrong. I like filming, but we just, we get wild sometimes and the weather's usually crap, so it doesn't work out, but um, okay, man. No, that's, that's great. Now I'll let you keep running with that then. So, and aside from that, I know I brought up TV shows. Uh, another thing that I did not know before I started at this job, I figured that once you got recognized, some of these TV shows would just reach out to you and say, Hey, do you want to have, you know, we'll pay you to have a TV show on the outdoor channel, excuse me, or a TV show on the sportsman's channel, you know, like it was your big break. Not true. A lot of these guys in the industry that have TV shows, whether it's Pursuit, um, Outdoor Channel, Sportsman's Nation, Sportsman's Channel, whatever it is, they have to buy their airtime. Right. I don't know if a bunch of people know that, but that's why like, I'll have guys say, hey, I need 50000 or 60000 a year for this. And you look at it and you realize, well, that's because it costs 30000 to air a show for two quarters a year. It's ridiculous the price that they, that they charge for these things. 
Yep. No, we used to, um, I, I don't know the huge particulars, but, you know, server-side started in 2011 because, you know, it was, we were the, the quote-unquote hunting public before there was the hunting public uh, college mm-hmm. edition. Um, you know, they were all in college and would travel around, you know, eating, you know, back when ramen actually used to be cheap um, and yep. things like that. But, <laughs> you know, eating eating out of gas station food, McDoubles and things like that. But they they would travel the country and they're real big into content. So when Serviceside started, it was a huge like, hey, you know, we're going to help you. We're going to get your content out, things like that. Um, and then it, 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 we evolved into uh, a, more of a community and, and about culture and, and, and helping and things like that. But when we first started out, that's how we started and we had a TV show and that's that's how it is, man. I don't know what they paid, but then once we got into community, that's where we're like, hey, we want this money to go towards community, not you know, mm-hmm. being on TV. And a lot of people don't realize that the first time I had heard it, I was like, wait, so pretty much if you got the dollar amount, and, I mean, you, you, know, you know the right people, man, and you got money, you could easily get you a show tomorrow. Um, yep. It's just a matter of and some people have it. I mean, I talked to a guy that inherited 3,000 acres out west, you know, from mm. a, from an uncle. Like, he's literally like, yo, I'm, I bought a bunch of camera equipment. I've got, I'm actually going to hire two people to film me, and I'm going to shoot some stuff. I'm like, man, you'll probably have a TV show because uh, you, you got the money to drop like that. Um, and, and he just got into it. So it definitely – that's definitely a misconception I'm glad you brought up. Uh, you know, you know, it's yeah, not it's, all it's, – it's, it's another – I guess I keep using the word harsh reality. Like it sounds like, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody from trying because I'm trying to get the point across that you absolutely can get in the industry. I'm just trying to give you some tips on how, and most guys, you know, I think that's why YouTube got so popular Mm because people quit watching most of the stuff on TV. One, it was repetitive Two, a lot of the stuff you see on TV. It's hard for the average Joe to relate to because they're always on an outfitter or high fence or something like that. Every deer is 200 plus. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, but I understand it now because those guys need it to survive. If they want to keep all their partnerships, yeah. they have to make sure that they're getting, you know, kills on camera. Like one of the channels, and I won't say which channel. In fact, some of them, they might all have the same rules. But I was just talking to some guys a couple weeks ago that if you shoot a deer and you do not recover it, you cannot use that footage on TV you have to either recover that deer or you have to prove that it's still alive months down the road, whether that's with trail camera pictures or with video evidence. I like that rule, but man, I bet you, I bet you there's a lot of, a lot of B roll and footage lost though on that one. Well, it also, that same reasoning is what causes some channels to get really dirty. Like you've heard in the industry, you know, a bunch of guys a few years ago, they're poaching deer, they're doing whatever, and they're trying to do whatever it takes so they can keep their show and keep their sponsorships or partnerships. And it's just, it's, it's kind of dirty that way. I'm not a huge fan of it, but these people are relying on that money to come in from their partners so they can fund their show, but they don't have a show unless they execute. So that's, it's, it's kind of a cutthroat industry that way where you, if you show up, you have to perform. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've, we talked about it before we even started recording this episode of like, you know, if I could tell every person in the world, and like you said, I encourage people, I, you let me know, I'm, I'm literally right now have four people that I'm helping to get into the industry with connects that I have because of, you know, their hustle and the type of people they are and just the, the, I mean, really I can leave it at that. And, you know, I, I, it, it's always that networking, but I tell people all the time, I'm like, you gotta, if I could tell everyone one thing, it's, it doesn't 
being a great hunter is awesome. Knowing woodsmanship, being able to successfully take an animal more than you lose animals, being able to uh, understand your quarry and their environment, and uh, especially when you get older and you start understanding the difference between mature animals and what animals you should take for the population and things like that. But it doesn't matter how good of a hunter you are. That's that's not the only thing that's needed. It, you know that that is literally probably the least amount that is needed to be in the industry. You do need it, um, but it's definitely one of the smaller smaller ingredients there when it comes to uh, being someone that that's in there full time. And I see people all the time, man, that make it. I got a buddy that they used to tell him no all the time. He was actually in service side. Um, they, he still is actually. And people used to say, you're not going to do it. And he did it, man. And he loves it. He travels the country, goes all over the place. He films, he loves it. And I tell him all the time, like, you remember when people told you no, and it just made him try harder and he made it. So it's definitely mm-hmm. possible. Um, people do it. People I know have done it. Um, but it's that grind, man. It's, it's more than being a good hunter. That's for sure. You got to understand the industry, you got to understand that there's a lot more into it besides just taking an animal. Well, and then you also, you can balance strengths and weaknesses. Like, I'm sure there is a lot of guys in service side that are having this debate. Like, you know, I want to be big. I know how to film my hunts. I know how to take pictures. And they're still looking at a stab in the industry. The easiest step you could do is join a production crew or something like that. There are all these TV shows, all these YouTubers that are looking for guys, and I know it sounds like it sucks, but to sit in the tree and film and not hunt. You look at role models like Michael Waddell, T-Bone, uh, Nick Munt, guys like that that are now popular with Bone, Con- Bone Collector, Real Tree, all this stuff. If you listen to where their story started, how they were on a production crew in their 20s and their you know young 30s, they were behind the scenes for 5 to 15 years before they caught their break. It's the same thing with the hunting public guys. All, most of the guys, I guess, that are big on the hunting public right now, like, like um, I guess Aaron, Zach, Jake, Greg, those guys all started with Midwest Whitetail as interns, filming. They weren't on camera, but they were filming. Eventually, once you make those connections and you have those backgrounds, because when you're a film, when when you're filming in the industry, you meet a lot of people. Right. In fact. Some of the guys, like when I was just on this hunt out west, you know, I was I was with their their videographer and uh, their production crew and talking to the guys and you go look on their socials and it's like, okay, these guys have 800 followers, but you look at their followers and there's like, okay, they got six guys with blue check marks, they got a bunch of popular industry people, what are they do doing following this nobody? But then you look at it, it's like, no, they're not a nobody, they're already in the industry, the crowd doesn't know about them, but the people you want to meet already know who you are. That's legit, man. And you know what, man? That that boils down to the grind. I tell people, I think a lot of people they grind, and then they might. I talked to somebody that had a show one time. Um, you know, put a lot of work into it, and then it it went it went south. When I call it the field staff era, kind of like dipped off a little bit. You know, social media is so big. Everyone's got a nice phone now, so as long as you got good lighting, you could pretty much do a good video, especially if it was a certain time of day. And you know, I, I just I felt. 
I felt so bad. I was talking to somebody once and they were telling me how they, they literally was in the industry and they had a show and then they, I guess they just, they weren't performing it the way that maybe they were as expected of them, I guess would be the best way to put it. And sure. um, it literally became to the point where they all hated it and none of them even wanted to hunt anymore. And I'm like, see, that's where you can't get to that point. But you also, if you do want to do it, it boils down to that networking and grind. And sometimes you have to clean the floor, man, before you can end up uh, you know, selling the food, like, you know, you, you start, you start real low. I mean, I, before I started working here, I'm not operations. I got, I don't really do titles or anything, but I guess if you had to put one like operations guy or director or whatever here, and I was a field staff member, I was a paying field staff member, a monthly field staff member for four years. Um, you know, obviously we all have that dream of, man, yeah, if I ever got into the industry, that'd be cool. But I ran a hauling company for almost eight years before I came here. Very successful hauling company. We had a 20% growth rate every month. Um, very, very big name. I'll give them a shout out. It's 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Uh, literally used to run this whole Tampa area. And um, we were we were very successful, man. And I never thought I would leave there. And then when a door opened, I, I decided to take it. Um, but you know, if I didn't put that work in as a field staff, which that's what we had talked about. The reason I got this position was the amount of work and, you know, being known not as a awesome mega hunter, just as a regular guy. That's what I was known as. Well, and that's a lot of opinion too on guys is, you know, they all want to have get rich quick or get famous quick. And that brings me back. I mean, you have to be the 1% of the 1%. I mean, that happens everywhere, whether you're a TV star you know, or you're a music artist, you look at guys like Post Malone, you know, they caught a break and they, they obviously they're still really good at what they do, but there's a lot of people with really good hunting YouTube channels that aren't famous yeah. and it's simply because they haven't been discovered. And that's, that's the sick and shitty reality of this industry, but that is what it is. Oh man, there's so, a, there's a ton of people that you see them one time and you're like, wow, how are you not like out there how do you how are you not like the hunting public and things like that and then it's just mm -hmm. literally i mean it, there's a lot of people with talent man out there i've seen some people self-film and they're like yeah this is my second time doing it and i'm like dude you if you keep working at this you're gonna be a freaking just content genius and that's i mean that's that's it you keep grinding it there's a very good chance that you possibly could get discovered i just i can't tell you if that's tomorrow or if that's five years down the road yeah 15 so i mean if, like you said 10 15 down the road well and that's that's guys that i mean they're dedicated they love it they stick it out so that's why i figured i'd hop on here because i'm like there's guys out here that literally they'll they'll try it for a year two years and they'll get burnt out or they'll get crushed like man i tried my best it's just not working you know i'm never gonna make it that's yeah. not true just find another there's always a door that's open it's just you know you you have to take things and that's why I brought up, you know, if you're not an influencer, you know, see if you could do production for, a, you know, a, a crew that's already out running around. Why? Because you're going to meet people in five years down the road. They're going to be like, hey, I filmed with you or whatever. They know you. You know, you might get your shot. Or the thing I haven't talked about is I work with guys that their literal job is professional cinematography and videography. Now, these production groups, there's quite a few of them. Um, but, you know, you don't see them on TV. But all their commercials, like I work with, I work with the guys that do the Hoyt commercials and, and, and Onyx stuff, and they're well connected. It's the same thing. 
you look at their Instagram, like, okay, they got 3000 followers, but they don't have a YouTube channel. But then you look at who's following them. I'm like, holy cow, this guy's followed by 60 different, what I would call celebrities in the hunting industry. And they work side by side and they call each other, you know, weekly. It's just, just ridiculous. The avenues you can take. Dude, networking is king, bro. I'm telling you, you can never say that enough. Like the people, I mean, I, I go on places, go to different states, people I meet, and I just do it through the Hunt Link program. Service side don't pay me. I don't do it on member time. I go on my weekends off or if I, I get I get vacation time. So if I use a three-day weekend, I go on my own dime. I, I network. I meet them. Um, dude, I went to Ohio and we had 150-inch deer walking under us. I'm in Florida, so having 150-inch deer walk under you is not common. Um, <laughs> you, you know, we, we literally got deer walking under us, 150-inch. My buddy's like, you can take whichever one you want. There's 170 that's on there. And I'm sitting here just my jaw on the ground. And I traded him to come down here and turkey hunt. Dude, me and him got so close that I could go up there whenever I went and hunt with him on his land. And on top of that... His freaking family had me for Thanksgiving dinner when I went up there. Like that was literally like one of the best experiences I had had on a hunt link. And I've been on a ton of them. Um, and what it boiled down to was networking. If I never would have messaged him, if I never would have chatted with him, got to know each other, we talked for probably about a year before he came down and turkey hunted with me. And then I went up the following year after that and whitetail hunted with him. And then we hunt together every year. But it was literally started off by a Facebook message. He was like, hey, man, you live in Florida? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you guys got good bass fishing? I'm like, yeah. And then boom, next thing you know, we see each other every year. Well, and I feel the same way about Colin Kidd and Tim Nickerson. I mean, those guys, they're some of the most genuine human beings I've ever met. I mean, if, you, if you're talking about like, happy welcoming midwesterners they are the definition and i met them through service side last year i signed up and i was like well i'm gonna go on a public land mule deer hunt where do i go and i got linked up with these other guys on service side you know now me and colin and tim are really good buddies and the other crazy thing is i brought up guys with you know a few hundred followers but they're followed by crazy celebrities that i guess people would be like oh my gosh they're followed by that Colin and Tim are the definition of those people. You look and see who follows them, and you're like, how the hell did that person follow him? Dude, it's all networking. Like, I was out there uh, last week, and, I, in fact, I hunted public most of the entire time. We did door knock and get on some private the last two days. But I didn't even hunt any of Colin's Tim's pieces because Colin was hunting this year. His foot was feeling a little better. He had his brother out there, and they had, they had a guy from South Africa there named uh, Danny Geel or Danny Geel, I believe. And I hadn't heard of him. But after we sat down and were talking to him, I mean, he owns an outfitter in South Africa. And he takes guys, like if you watch uh, Josh Bomar, all of, his, all of his animals that he has from Africa were taken there. Um, a bunch of the other guys in the industry follow this dude. And I'm like, I'm hanging out literally in their backyard eating mule deer backstraps with this guy and i'm like it's just it's just a small crazy world and these yeah most of these guys in the industry they're they're normal people just like the you good ones are always normal got, bro well and there's i've met some that you know kind of let it get to their head but at the same time there's a lot of guys whether they're at 1000 followers or 100,000 followers that are just genuine good guys and those yeah. are the guys that make it far in the industry if, if, if you don't let it get to your head that you're you know, you're the almighty, you're, you're this guy, you're, you're going to go far, kid. 
Yeah, man. I I'll never. I, you know, being being in service side. You know, like I said, I talked to a lot of people, and I will say I've had, and I'm, I'm obviously not mentioning any names, but I have had people that were a name that someone would recognize, and they're trying to get into the club, and they think that they can just say that they were so and so, and you know, check out who I what I used to do, and you should just let me in, and I'm like, well, that's not really how we do things here. Um, you know, everyone's equals and things like that. But, um, you know, like you said, I think that the people that will always go the farthest, that sustainability is those real genuine people. The other ones that let it either get to their head or maybe they just, you know, let it get to them in general. Just like you said, with that pressure of like, man, I've got four kids and how am I going to feed my family when this is all I've been doing for five, 10 years? Um, you know, you, you can't say what, what you would do in that situation, but, um, I will say that, that being humble and the people that I've met that were some of the best people I've ever met were the most amazing hunters in the aspect of having types of knowledge that, you know, you can only think to read about or see someone do and you're sitting here and they're willing to share it with you. And you're like, man, that's when I'm always like, man, I made it. Like when someone shares a piece of information with me, I've hung out with a few different people. And when they actually share like some of that secret sauce, I'm like, man, like that's when you, that's when I made it. That's when I feel like I'm working in the hunting industry is when that happens. And that's it. You know, I guess that's the other thing that I can't, I can't change for people is because some people's version of the hunting industry is that, okay, you have to wait till you're a celebrity and other guys like me, like I thought at one point, you know, maybe I would. And now I realize like there are some harsh realities. I'm not saying it won't ever happen because there's always that chance, but I am very content and happy about where I'm at. I'm hanging out with the people I want to hang out with. I'm going on hunts that, you know, I wouldn't be able to do unless I worked where I'm at. I feel that. Bro. Also benefit, you work in the hunting industry with actual hunting products, odds are you will get paid to go hunting. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's always a plus. And that's, you know, sometimes that's what guys want. Yeah. I thought, you know, I want to get paid on my on my own time to do what I want. You know what? A couple of days here on a work trip, man, if, if you're telling me I get paid because, you know, let's let's go out, take some pictures, hang out with my influencers. I'm out there and I'm still getting paid man that's that's my definition of i'm in the hunting industry like you can't you can't be any more happier than that it's no, just for sure man you're, you're working with the things you love you're working with awesome people and it's just once you're in it man and you stick with it you're going to keep growing as a person i will say you know? though adding on to that and this isn't to scare anyone but one thing you love it so much that like it's almost hard to find a balance like i was having this conversation with someone today i'll work dude i'll work a tw- i mean look what time it is right now like it's late i woke up at seven o'clock this morning and started working um yeah. you know i literally sit in my office have had two mountain ops drinks and uh shout out mountain ops those are sponsorship no i'm just kidding (laughs) but dude i've been i've been crushing them and then eating sandwiches over here and i'm sitting here like man like we could you can grind 12 14 plus hours and then when i get off here i'll get on social media for a while and do things so um but that is one of the things is you do sacrifice a little bit because you love it so much that passion but i'd rather do that man than be wasting my life doing something that i just couldn't stand you know i i just you know, it's, you got to yeah, do what you love, you know, you know, it's just, if, if you want to be a guy that punches the clock and you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing, whether you're in the, this industry or another industry, it's the same thing. The hard work's going to prove itself. Oh, hundred percent, man. Well, like you said, it's the sustainability. Anyone can get hot quick. 
it's can you stay hot? Can you continue? Can you push through? Can you get better? Can you evolve? That's well, the- and that, that, that's, that's funny you brought that up too because that's actually another thing most guys don't know about the industry is there are some big-name groups of people right now. Again, I won't name names, but guys that they've been on podcasts and they've talked about how they're getting burnt out. They've been doing the YouTube for a couple of years. You know, they're relying on getting content for their influencers and stuff like that. The reality of it is too, and I know I've talked to the guys, the season butcher a lot, uh, partially because my uncle's co-owner of that business and they took the route of actually making a business so they could get in the hunting industry because the reality is the 1% of the 1% get, get to be a celebrity. So if that's not you, and we're talking about what are other ways to get your foot in the door. Another one is if you can have your own business or join a business. So these guys went out and had their own seasoning business, which is field to table. And people that do home butchering, well, anybody that hunts big game, wild game is there to hopefully use that meat for food. So that process is literally 100% of hunters. So they had a really smart plan about, you know, we're going to get into the, into the industry with the business, and then the networking falls into place. I mean, these guys have already met and talked to some crazy people in the industry, yeah. and they're just over a year in. Oh, yeah, man, I and mean, they've that's... grown tremendously from from people that, I mean, <laughs> if you guys don't know who Jim and Charlie is, they're the type of people that just cut a computer on last year, so <laughs> they're old yeah, school, I would, man. I can attest to that. They had, the, they had the grandma, like, when I used to go to my grandma's, and she'd pull out her flip phone, you're like, do they even make those anymore? Like, that's, and now they've got a huge following. I mean, I've been buying their products since I first heard of them last year, just because you can take your field to table to like a next level instead of just your basic like burger, you know, burger, sausage, things like that. You can actually make, you know, kibasa, Polish sausage, really switch it up. Well, and then the other thing is actually, I mean, good product. It's actually a good product. The product sucked. I don't, it wouldn't help, but they actually have a lot of really good products and they're very instructional on how they help average Joe hunters turn you know their big clump of meat into edible delicious meals well and they show you and, how they get it too so you actually get to see where it's coming from the whole process yes yeah, so you can you can watch those videos and make your own meat it's awesome but where those guys were smart is they realized that most of these guys in the hunting industry you look at the hunting public you can look at you know duck commander bone collector um all these you know celebrity guys that you look up to they are not one guy like, if you're running solo, like, I guess that's kind of my part. Like, I'm the guy for Beagle Boy Outdoors that films and edits most of the videos. I have a crew of a couple of guys, but I'm doing most of the work. And trust me, it burns you out when you have a full-time job. These other guys, and you look at THP, they have a group of five, six guys that show up on camera. But there's probably ten guys plus behind the scenes, running the merch, running the website, doing the filming, doing the editing. Like, you... It is very hard to get by unless you have a group of guys in this industry. So that also goes along with networking for guys in service side. You know, I don't know if that conversation's ever been sparked. Like, hey, would you guys want to team up and collab? It's more content. It's less work off your shoulders and it's more exposure. Yeah, and we've had some people do that. And I always tell people, I'm like, that's a good way for a hunt link too. Like when we, when someone comes down here, I automatically tell them like, hey, I'll, I'll film for you. I'll 100% film for you. Tell me what you like, kind of give me an idea of the type of filming that you like, 
and I'll make mm-hmm. sure I cover as much as I can so that you have something to edit. Now, I'm not going to probably put it together and edit it and all that stuff, but I will make sure that we have the shots, the B-roll, um, everything's organized. I'm a big, like, you know, I don't like to do a ton of editing, so I like to make sure I stop and start it the best I can with things. Um, and I'm, I try to stay organized, like with my folders and stuff so that I don't have to search and dig. But I that's something that I offer. And then I've come to notice that when I do it, uh, like when I went to Ohio this past year, you know, my buddy, you know, I was hoping we were both going to like double up and he was like, no, I'm going to film you the whole time. I'm like, you don't have to do that, man. Like, I know you're after a buck too. So like we can totally, he's like, no, nah, man, I want to like, and I'm sitting here like, man, like how awesome is that? Like you, you're almost like you're, you're like you said, you're being a team. There's not a one, a one person, even at service side, people are always like, thanks, Justin, or mention my name. And I'm like, guys, I'm one person of a whole team of people. Um, I'm just the one that my ugly mug gets seen on social media, unfortunately, <laughs> for everyone. But um, sure. I don't, I am not, I'm not sitting here in the beat laboratory, bro, coming up with everything that we do. I I literally mm-hmm. just help put it out and things like that. Um, you know, we have Allie, we have Jimmy. Uh, we have a lot, we have the, you know, we have a ton of pro staff, you know, our, our team, you know, our whole team, like we have a, over a thousand members. We would be nothing without our team. It doesn't matter how good of you know good ideas or events or anything that we put on or hunt links. If you don't if you don't have a solid team, then we would be nothing. We'd be nothing without our crew. Service side wouldn't even exist. So that's that's awesome takeaway there is that it's never one person. Even if you see one person, it's never one person. And, and usually it's not one person in a cameraman. Usually you got some guy helping edit and all kinds. Yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that was. Maybe that was just me not realizing. Like, I feel like that's something I should have realized. But when I got to ATA show, it was like, hey, we have a meeting with so-and-so. I'm like, oh, no shit. I know them. I've watched, you know, I've watched them on YouTube. So I'm like, okay, we got a meeting with this guy to seal a deal. And we get in this meeting room, and there's like six other guys I have never seen, never heard of. And they're like, hey, you know, I'm the, I'm the manager. And then, you know, I'm the, I'm the website designer. I do behind this, like all these guys behind the scenes. Like, that's the only way this stuff functions. If you got guys taking job roles and you know, dispersing them. Like that's another way in the industry work behind the scenes for a little bit until you get your shot. Well, like you said though, it's easy to get burnt out when you do do everything. If you do everything, it may take a year. It may take six months. It may take five years, but you will burn out if you're doing it all. No. And I, I can attest that to a little, a little bit. Cause like I said, if I don't edit a video and post to it, you will never see anything on Beagle Boy Outdoors. Anything that gets posted is solely me, and it's all edited by me and probably filmed by me. So it's like, you know, I go on a work trip like last week, and, you know, to get keep your followers going and entertain people, you should be posting weekly. I mean, I took a week off because, you know, I'm not behind a computer. And then not only that, but after the trip, I don't, you know, I don't have a kill on camera, and it was just an awkward shot. So I'm in that debate, like, do I even make it a video whatever? Right. So I've also, I kind of told myself that situation that it will be a video, but I'm not going to post it right away. I think I'm going to do THP does this a lot where like at the end of the season, they'll post some of the videos from during the year of like, you know, what went wrong and how we can learn from it. And I think that's more what I'm going to do with this video, just because also another thing, when you're making your way in the industry, there are some things that will make or break you. And I'm not saying you know, don't post your hunts because that if that's who you are, do exactly that. But, you know, that's just one of those things where I know if I post that, 
my comments are just going to be littered with guys telling me, oh, you suck. You shouldn't be hunting. Yeah. Just, I don't, I don't, I don't actually post my kills. A lot of people always ask me, where's your deer? And I'll text them the picture if they'd like to see some kills I've done. But yeah. I actually don't post mine. A few different reasons. We won't get into it now. Um, but I don't want, I'm not feeding. I, I know we can always say like, do what you want. Be happy, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I get all that. I'm not, I'm not worried about none of that. I don't want, and this is just my reasoning, take it or leave it, I don't want to feel like I am being an example for someone or I am, I, I don't want, I don't want to say I don't want to be someone's role model because I, I consider myself like an ethical hunter and I always, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a very patient bow hunter. If I, dude, if I don't have a shot, man, I had a shot on a deer, probably the biggest deer I've ever, I would have ever harvested in my life. Um, all I had was a spine shot and I didn't take it. And I just, I just didn't want to take that buck that way. I didn't, I didn't want to spine shot him. I just, that's just how I felt with that particular buck. Um, I have spine shot deer before, so I'm not saying I have not. Um, I have done a lot of things like that before, but I didn't want to do it to this particular buck. Um, it's just how I was feeling in that moment. And I never posted any of my stuff, but the reason I don't is because I don't want someone to be like, well, cause I'll, dude, I'll kill a spike. Like when I go to my family's land in Virginia, they got spikes all over the place and they're like, please Absolutely. kill those spikes. They're like, get them out of here. Um, you know, when I go to Maryland, I have a, um, a, a deer, um, crop damage permit where we can take a lot of deer. Mm -hmm. Same deal, man. You, if it ain't got spots, you're dropping it. Like that's the, mm -hmm. it's costing these farmers and we don't even put a dent in the population there. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't ever post any of that stuff. And I've had many people ask me, why don't you do that? And that's one thing like you brought up, you know, you can do what you want, obviously. And I'm sure no one probably would say anything, but I have seen where, you know, someone will get on there, especially when you have a large amount of followers, man, there's people that get paid just to troll. So oh, absolutely. it's yeah, literally that's a, a job. You'll never know about. It's literally a job where it's a salary job where you get paid to troll in it and it, it boosts algorithms. It gets... I mean, think about it, man. We ran into it with politics. All you got to do is say one word, and you could have 500,000 comments on a post quick, you know? Yeah, this, so. this, this industry is cutthroat, and if, you wanna, if, you, if you're trying to make it in a certain way, you just got to make sure you got, you know, you're okay with it, you have thick skin, or you just, you know, there's, 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 no, there's no issue doing what, you know, what you do. In fact, that's probably the, the higher road to take as well, just being humble about things, too. I just I just got I just got to the point, man, where I was like, I don't want someone to be like, well, he's doing this, I should do it, or he didn't do this, or I should do it. Like when we kill all those deer in Maryland, dude, we fill up pickup trucks full. I don't want someone to see that and be like, oh, he's out slaughtering deer. There's no context to it. Like they don't understand that this farmer's about to go into debt because he can't pay his bills. Yeah. That's, to keep the tax man off his butt. Conservation. Yeah. Some people think hunting's about killing big bucks, and a lot of the good industry guys. And I'll tie this in. There's a lot of industry people that do whatever it takes to kill big bucks, but the guys that really are well respected, like they're they're very well known for understanding the concept of conservation. Like whether it's a you know whether it's a small buck, whether it's a couple does. Like I guess I I guess I'll use this guy's name just because I've I've heard him on. Um, wired to hunt podcasts and stuff like that. Like Ted Nugent is very adamant about monitoring his deer populations and stuff like that, just because he understands conservation. You know, there's guys that'll blow him up. Be like, I can't believe you just shot eight does. Well, you know, look, look at how it's infecting the environment. If right. the tags are there and it's legal to do it. Absolutely. 
and you know what? Let's let's just say let's just say for example, like, and and hopefully, I mean, hopefully this doesn't start a riot. But let's just say for example, like, okay, you know, he he takes eight does. They don't understand the context. It, but it's legal. They go about the right way, whether it's, you know, their Department of Agriculture or however they, they end mm. up doing it, um, and they get their uh, their crop damage permits. Well, shouldn't you be mad at the legislation? Shouldn't you be mad at your congressman? Shouldn't you be mad at, at that as opposed to attacking your fellow man? Like I don't, I don't understand. Like we've always, I've always heard down here because you can, you can kill five deer down here, and five of them can be bucks. Um, but the doe population's out of control, and you actually, it's a lottery system, um, unless you're on private land. So what's crazy is you'll hear like all this stuff, and I'll watch it. I never say anything because you know how that goes. And then one day, man, I just I comment on someone's. I was like, how many times have you wrote your congressman? He goes, I haven't. He's like, I, I, I know they wouldn't even look at it. I'm like, I beg to differ. I actually went and found the email. They had an email address, a .org or whatever that you could go to and, and submit mm-hmm. things. And I, I post, put it on there. And I literally put it in. I'm the guy, you know, he never said nothing back. And I'm sitting here like, look, man, like you have people that will complain about things and be like, well, it should be done this way or someone shows should do this or that. And I'm sitting there, but you haven't physically done anything. Now, if you are writing your congressman and you are trying, kudos to you. This isn't for you. <laughs> but if yeah. you're just judging and, well, man, we killed, man, dude, one time we went to Maryland, we killed 29 deer and we didn't even put a dent in the population. And I could never even surface that photo because I'd probably be banned in the hunting industry after yeah, was, just. Some, some guys would light you up, but that's just. And they don't understand that this farmer's like hanging on by a thread and that I'm literally, we take our time and money to go help him because he's hanging on by a thread because the deer just, he just lives in a Mecca, dude, where the deer just destroy him, you know? Well, and it's like, you know, we went fishing to Saginaw Bay last year in uh, Michigan, which I guess, I think it's Lake Erie. You no, know, whatever lake it is, Huron. Um you know, their walleye bag limits were just insane. And talking to some of the local guides, it's just because the population is so crazy. And, you know, you post pictures, you're limited out with four guys and a crap ton of walleyes. They're like, holy cow, save some fish. And then you look at it, it's like the reason they do that is literally the conservation of the fishery for other species to survive and fish to have their growth stunted. They need to supply, you know, they need to have adequate food supply. They can't have that much competition. Like there's a lot that goes into balancing ecosystems. Yeah. So you can never, you can never take something off of a photo. That's our whole point. It's the same here with bass. It's, I don't quote me on this. It's like 14, less than 14 inches or less than 12 or less than 10. It's something like that, but you can keep up to five. And I hear people all the time, like, well, let them grow, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here like, you do realize that all those little dinks are eating all the food at a quicker rate than what that 15 pound bass is. You know that, right? Like. (laughs) No, they don't. That's the answer. That's that's the thing. I'm like, you do realize, like, as a worm falls out of the tree and lands or lands off the bank into the water, that that dink is going to get that ten times faster than any big bass. That big bass is just barely going to roll over and see it. Yeah. But so we're at about an hour or so, man. Did you have uh, where else you want to? Did you did you end up covering everything you wanted to with that? 
I think so. There's so much in the industry that guys probably have questions about. And honestly, maybe if you guys listen to this podcast, reach out to Justin and see if there's any more questions or reach out to me. And maybe eventually we'll, we'll do a follow-up podcast here just because I know, you know, with ATA show coming up, guys, there's, they're allowing media all three days this year, I believe, versus last year you had to wait until day two before you could show up and start networking. Uh, awesome event to get your foot in the door, meet some people, go talk to the faces behind these brands because you know i also used to look at it like oh my gosh you know we got brands like sitka and there's you know matthews or hoyt and you look at them as brands but then you go to these shows and you realize that the people behind these brands are just other guys like you and me right like like it's 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 all personable you just have to be a genuine human being and you have to just be able to talk to people which is probably hard for some but if, if if you can talk and hold a conversation you can get your foot in the door dude i'll be honest with you really just don't be a dick like those people that think that they're just like king hunter and i mean i'm probably going too extreme with it but it's the end of the podcast so if people are going to bounce off of it they would have already but man i just don't be a dick like don't don't be that guy that's like i'm only doing this and i'm only doing that and if you don't eat wheaties then f you like don't be that guy just be a normal person be who you are i'm not saying if that's your personality you can't do that but also understand too that like that's that's not i'm going to tell you right now that people that are like that they're not going to succeed and if they do for whatever reason or drop that amount of money to get there they won't be there long they're not going to stick around i mean no nope, huge, huge bad reputation exactly i mean huge huge topic jump but that's what happens to a lot of actors in hollywood you'll hear about someone being hard to work with or not wanting to be dealt with because they've done six or seven movies and everyone's like that person's a nightmare and then they fall off and you're like wait they did six or seven movies in a year and now we don't see them except every 10 years and it's a crap movie it's usually because they're a butthole, you know, like they're. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. You need to be, which I guess I'll list off takeaways for this. One, you need to practice networking. That is, that is the number one and probably only way in the industry. If you actually can network, reach out and talk to people, be a genuine human being, talk to them the same way you would talk to me or you would talk to your buddy. You know, obviously be be clean and respectful. Right, and right. Then, Until you, you get know, to just, know. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you got to be coachable, too. If you're starting out, you got to be willing to take what someone's asking for you and just show up for them. You know, I give people their, their first big shots all the time. I mean, I've started with a couple guys that, you know, started with a couple thousand in just a matter of a few months. They're up to 15, 20,000. I'm like, you know, I hope this kid blows up. And all I had to do was throw him a bone. He reached out, you know, or they reached out. They're like, hey, you know, I'm just starting out. What would you guys be willing to do? And I'm like, hey, man, if you're willing to get me so-and-so images, you know, for this month or this quarter, you know, if I call you and say I need something, will you do it? Absolutely. All right, boom. Start out with free product. You know, a couple months down the road, I'm like, this guy's good. I don't want to lose him. We're going to offer some cash. And that's that's literally how it works. And I love that you guys do it that way because – they gave you the value, you determined if it was valuable, and then you rewarded them after. And so many people aren't willing to do that. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't – I use this expression all the time with service site because we are a paid membership subscription program. And I tell people, I'm like, you have to look at it as an investment in your hunting exactly. experience. You, Dude, I could go tomorrow and put $100,000 on a stock. That stock could tank within an hour and I could have nothing. Or 
it could go up. But if you don't invest in yourself and your hunting experience, then you might not get that reward. You might you might fail. It might happen. It not, it's probably a good chance it might happen. But usually the people that fail, it's worth a shot. And I mean, you look at most of your successful people in life just in general – most of those didn't even get successful until they failed for almost 30 years or so before they finally found their niche or whatever, you know? And and you're going to get told no, too. I mean, I tell guys, it's kind of sad, I get DMs every day on the River's Edge account that say, hey, I got this many followers, like you're willing to sponsor me or you're willing to partner with me. And I will always go check out their content and stuff. And right. I tell a lot of guys no, but I also tell them, hey, you know, if you guys work on this or you're willing to do this and you can get back to me, you know, shoot me another message and we can like, I'm not just turning you down forever. Like, it's just, well, another thing I should have covered is if you're going to ask and start reaching out to brands and companies, make sure you start talking to them in, in December because most budgets are on a fiscal calendar. So they start in January, basically, is when companies have all their money. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and, 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 and another thing is, yeah, because I get guys messaging me right now because it's hunting season. And I'm like, guys, my budget spent, like, I, I got rid of everything towards July and May was, you know, my last month. So pro tip for you guys, if you're trying to talk to brands, make sure you start with them at the, you know, the end of this year and be like, hey, I know January's coming up fresh year. Like, what, what would you guys be looking for? You know, what do you guys need for the upcoming year? And could we be the guys that help you get there? And that's how conversations are started. Start talking to brands, start talking to people. And don't 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 bring up what you need or what you want. Ask them what you can do for them. No, that's that's a great takeaway, man. And what we'll do is we will um, I'll put it in the show notes. If anyone has any questions on this episode, we can always get Gabe back here. Um, we'll definitely probably be doing multiple podcasts and things like that with Gabe with you during the season when you do have time. But um, I really appreciate you jumping on, man, and and giving that misconceptions and and kind of helping people if you want to do it. Like this is what you can expect because I tell you what, if you can ex- if you know what you're to expect, you're gonna be a lot more prepared than if you shoot that dm and not everyone's as nice as you man some people are like nah bro or it might not even message you (laughs) yeah there's 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 some people and i'm i'm guilty of it i've seen some messages where i just delete them or honestly last 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 tangent here i had one 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 group of guys that just started out they had three youtube videos they're like hey go check out our stuff we'd be willing to network and you know advertise your product for you i'm like okay so i didn't even message them I went and checked their YouTube video, and their YouTube video was them shooting hogs uh, in the southern part of the U.S. in the head, letting them run away with their arrows and never finding them. And then at the end of the video, they're like, ah, they're just hogs. We don't care. And then I sent them a a big message back. I was like, hey, guys, like, pro tip for you, and I don't mean to be mean, but, like, this is not what we're looking for in the industry. Like, I see that video. That's not someone I want representing my brand. So my suggestion would be, you know, keep working on what you guys are doing, but take that video down and just because anybody that you're, you're never going to seal a partnership with that. No, you ever. To, nope. No. And then every brand is going to be the same way. I don't care if, yep. you're, if you're sick of gear or if you're, you know, the most newest brand on the market. Nobody wants a bad rep- representation of their brand. No, not dude. I'll tell you what. You can literally have that video beside you going on a public land, killing a 200-inch buck with a bow, and I promise you that you'll still never even get looked at. Nope, 100%. It's, it, it takes one, which, again, industry's cutthroat. 
you could do a million things right. It takes one mess up for you to lose everything too. It does, so. man. It really does, and that's. I, I am glad you brought that up. I've I've seen it before too, where it's it's something that's very distasteful, and we've got enough enemies. I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, you know, if you. If you didn't really have that, you know, the industry is not going to like this. I'm going to tell you right now. I've I've had videos sent to me of a, you know, something getting shot in the head, and I'm like, don't get me wrong. I hog hunt Florida. We do shoot our pigs in the head, um, but for one, they drop. I'm not sure how that one got. I guess maybe because it was an arrow. I don't shoot them in the head with an arrow, but um, yeah, we, you know, that's how we do it here. We, you know, we'll kill a bunch of them and we eat them and, and all that stuff. We do a lot of field to table work with hogs here, but. You know, we do kill them in the heads, but I tell you what, man, even though we I consider it very ethical and legal the way we do it, I don't post those. I don't even get honestly, man, I won't even put a picture if it shows the like the blood on the side of the head. I turn the head just because it only takes some it takes the wrong person, man, seeing something to really not everyone will give you a hard time, but we've had people before on our YouTube channel that They'll they'll hit you, man, and if you do the wrong thing, they'll keep hitting you, and you just do not want that spotlight on you. That's the wrong spotlight. No, to have. That, I was gonna say that's 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 the exact opposite. They say all publicity is good publicity. That is absolutely not true. It's not at all, if, man. No, and it's it, it's more the way I guess that group handled the situation. The fact that you know if they would have came on the video and be like, hey, we made a bad shot, we couldn't find it, it sucks. And be like, okay, that's hunting. You know, understandable. Oh, yeah. But the fact the fact that you come on the video and you're like, man, it's just a hog. We don't care. There's plenty of them. Like that's just it's not good. Yeah. If you would have turned it into a how-to video of like, hey, this is really what you shouldn't do, and you know, hopefully someone can learn from this, and we'll never do it again. But here's the footage, and then have your mad disclaimers, and you're not gonna attract. Obviously, you know, you might open up a few doors to maybe like a couple other companies, but you're definitely, I don't know, man, it's a, that's a real touchy subject because think about it, would you, if you watch something like that, you're not going to be like, as a consumer, you're not going to be like, yeah, cool, screw those pigs. You're going to be like, duh, like, you know. No, especially if you're, you know, you're trying to sell something and, you know, you walk up, because I've, I've seen it, man, where, where there's other companies that have a bad apple as their influencer. One, they lose the influencer, but two, they show up at you know these these big trade shows or stuff like that, and they're like, no, and you're like your company represents this person, you know, we don't want to work with you, and that's the other thing. Companies in the in the hunting industry work with other companies in the hunting industry. It's yep. not just people; it's company and company. Like that's we have eighty nine partners, and I tell you what, if. It, you know even though it's even though it's a partnership and it's not a sponsorship we still there's you know you you don't you know it's just it's a mutual respect man like i'm not gonna let someone blast somebody or we can have opinions and disagreements completely fine but you know we're never gonna allow something if someone went on there and just said this company is complete trash blah blah, blah. like we don't like censorship but those are some of the things we're like all right there's better ways to do this like you know hey I use this product, and this is some of the negatives. Um, these were the few positives, and I most likely won't use that again. That's solid. I'm like, hey, okay, cool. You know, could have been a lot of, you know, and that gives the partner an opportunity to fix the problem. You know, well, you exactly, because I I like doing that stuff too. I mean, I make I make expensive flagship tree stands, and I have very very cheap tree stands just because there's a bunch of guys in the industry that don't want to spend money, and that's more power to them, but. You know, and then I have other guys that are like, "Wow, you know, eighty dollar tree stand, what a piece of crap!" And I'm like, "Hey, you know, that product wasn't meant for you, but 
you know, you don't have to rip on it, but whatever. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I hear that all the time, man. Try being a subscription program. What do you it's mean I got to pay? Well, sir, if I was a millionaire and I could do this for free, I wouldn't heartbeat. <laughs> I I can't say anything about that. I just, the, the service-side membership, even for field staff, it justifies itself. You literally get out of it, like, you know, whether it was my mule deer hunting meeting up with people or, you know what, even if, if you're strictly monetary based which i hope you know guys in this group aren't solely seeking money even if you get you know there's a rubric if you follow everything you tell a story you get the kill shot you you know you're you're showing why service side's beneficial even if you get paid one of that you know complete 500 dollars, it pays for your year yeah i mean i'm like there's so many ways and then the money you save on discounts like people need to look at that and be like okay this literally pays for itself it's a great investment it's it's only not a good investment if you sign up and you do not do exactly, it. and that's what I tell everyone, dude. I'm, you know, I do all the sales here and, and all that, and I tell people straight up, man. I'm I'm an honest salesman. I, I don't know if those two words go together, but I literally <laughs> tell them how it is, man. I'm like, hey, if you utilize these perks, if you utilize them, even if just one, you will re- recoup your money plus more monetary value. If you do not. You will not get nothing from this except a couple decals and a welcome letter, like and, yeah, may, and then, maybe and a then friendship. Be upset about it. It's like no, man. You that just... you get what you put in, man, and you know how, and it works great because I, this is this is a you know, and I, I'll I'll throw this in here the little secret sauce. The thing about doing it that way is you attract the right people and you deter the wrong people. The people that oh, are like you exactly should pay it. me. Bro, they will be gone. I'll, no, don't get me wrong. I explain the value just like anything else. Explain the value. You obviously want them to join the team. But when we get to the point where we're at the point where it's like I, I, I call it the begging stage, like where they – I don't know if they expect you to beg or, or something, but I always call it the begging stage. When you get to that point, I'm always like, guys, you get what you put in. If you don't put in anything, you're not going to get anything. You have to – and then it deters that person because that's normally the bad apple. That's normally the bad seed. They're not a team player. And we're not out here to, to railroad people. I tell people all the time, if we were, we would charge a lot more. <laughs> if I was going to take yeah. advantage of someone, I would charge a lot more than $30. Um, it costs $10 to mail something. So we've already lost a third of our profit. <laughs> you know, like, so I always tell people all the time, I'm like, uh, you know, with us, man, it's, it's, we, we, dude, I live and breathe this, man. My, my job is to give the team value and I love it and I'll, I'll always continue to do it, but it deters the bad apples and those I don't even second guess. Cause I'm like, you know what? Jump on the app. Keep in touch with us. See what service side's about. And if that person does, they'll come over. And if it's not for them, that's fine. It's not for everyone. Um, but there is value in it for sure, especially if you like traveling the country, um, if you like meeting new people. Like you said, you know, networking, man, that, that's the value right there. The friendships that I've made. My best man at my wedding is a guy I met from service side, you know? So, yep. It's, it's, and that's before I worked here. You know, I was a longtime member. All my relationships, most of my relationships I met, you know, before I became an employee here. But it's crazy how this industry works, man. A lot of people just think it's, you know, a one way to celebrity, and it's not. There's so many avenues in the hunting industry so that many. will get you to a place you can be content, and you're like, man, I'm in here. 
I'm working with the people I always wanted to meet. You know, I'm, I'm working with the brands I want to, you know, meet with. And other perk, even if you work in the industry, even in the slightest, for some brand, some company, you will forever have discounts to every brand possible. Oh, yeah. So you keep, keep, keep that in mind. You get a job <laughs> in the industry and, hey, you know what? Even if you didn't talk to anybody, you still have that. Dude, I tell you what, man, that's one thing. If I ever, you know, did move on and did whatever I decided to do in my life, that's one thing I know will always be with me is the when you meet a hookup, you usually got a hookup for life. <laughs> uh huh. It's like, yeah, it's a, that's just it. It's, but, you know, and that's, that, that's also networking in and of itself. I mean, you know, I, I talk to other brands that I'd never talk to. Like, hey, like, I normally use your stuff, you know, and I work here. Do you care if I, you know, get an industry discount? All of a sudden, this guy's sitting in my contact in the phone, like, "Hey, you guys want, you know, want to get up and, you know, do a meetup hunt or whatever, test products together this fall?" I'm like, "Shit, yeah." Dude, I do that all the time. I'll, I'll have an opening. That's how I met up with somebody this year in Georgia. I had an opening. Some uh, trip fell through, and I was like, "Yo, you're like five hours from me. You want to link up?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "Let's do it." Um, but so Gabe, uh, we'll go ahead and close this one out. I will put in the show notes that way if we want to do an, another episode on this, but, um, anyone that has any questions, definitely drop them or hit me up, but where can they reach you, Gabe? Um, if they have any questions or interested in products you sell, um, things like yeah, that. But the, the best is I semi-manage the river's edge tree sand socials. There's actually, I'm I'm partially on that, but there's there's other aspects to it. Otherwise, the best way to reach out to me is my Instagram is Gabe underscore Denzine. Um, otherwise, you can get me at Beagle Boy Outdoors on Instagram. That YouTube is up there as well. Otherwise, I'm in every service side group chat, um, whether it's on the app, um, service side nation, service side field staff stuff on Facebook. I'm on those guys. Um, I'm the guy with the mullet, so you, probably, you can't really <laughs> mistake me. So, been rocking that bottomlands hat too, though, bro. Uh, yeah, I got it. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Gabe, I appreciate it, brother. And you guys are listening to White Tail Theories Podcast. Appreciate it, guys.